Are you in a leadership role trying to figure out how to convince others to change their mind? Have you ever wondered why is leading and influencing others so darn hard? Are you looking for practical answers to these two vital questions? If so, welcome to my podcast, Closing the Gap with Denise Cooper. I'm your host, Denise Cooper, and I am a storyteller. I interview thought leaders and people just like you who are learning and practicing the art and expanding on the science of leadership. Listen as my guests and I talk about what it takes to be a remarkable leader in the 21st century. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. This is Denise Cooper and you are listening to Closing the Gap with Denise Cooper. Here on our podcast, we want to talk to you about You know, have you ever felt stuck? Have you ever felt like you couldn't figure out your way to the next level that you want? And even sometimes, not just how to get there, but what would be different? And Closing the Gap gives you concrete steps where you can take small steps over time that will close your gap, that will get you where you want to be. That is the intent of this. And this conversation is part two of a conversation with Dr. Julia Sloan. And the reason I brought her back is, is that She talked about strategic thinking, strategic planning, and strategic implementation. And our conversation was rich with jumping from one point to another point to another point. And I tell you, you got to go back and listen to it. So if nothing else, you understand her model and some of the skills necessary to bring that not just for the C-suite, but for everyone. Dr. Sloan is the leading authority on cognitive aspects of strategic thinking and is widely recognized for her pioneering work on the application of complex cognitive theory to everyday strategic thinking practice in the global business and public policy arenas. She's also the author of a book called Learning to Think Strategically and has written numerous privately commissioned articles and white papers on the topic of strategic thinking for corporations, policy institutes, and think tanks. She travels the globe talking to anyone who will probably listen to her, and it is easy, easy, easy to be with her. And as lectured at some of the premier academic institutions, including the Brookings Institute, the UN Staff College and Logistics Space in Italy, and the Institute for Public Administration in Saudi Arabia. She's been to the Tokyo University in Japan, the Indian Institute of Management in India with the King of Saudi University Institute for Public Administration in Saudi Arabia. She's been at Brookings Institute and Harvard and MIT, and she's currently a resident of New York City. Her background includes a doctorate from the Columbia Universities, a master's in studies at Yale University, and the University of Alaska. That's a story in and of itself. And undergraduate studies at Kent State University. I invite you, if you are stuck, regardless of the level from supervisor all the way up to C-suite, if you are stuck on trying to understand how to bring people together, to think about and re-envision, re-imagine what the future looks like, and some of the reasons why it, once we do that piece, and then we put the logical planning steps together. Why is it so difficult to implement? What is it about sitting in that room or sitting with that piece of paper, sitting with your team, and you figured it out? You've had maybe, you know, those offsites where everybody's been so enthusiastic and whatnot, and yet it just doesn't seem to play out the way we think. 
and what keeps us from being vulnerable in the workplace. So this part of the podcast, she and I are really going to dig deep and talk about what are the forces, cultural, what's inside of us, on how we sabotage ourselves unintentionally on really stepping up and being able to turn strategy into something that is real and tangible on an everyday basis. So with that, hi, Dr. Julia. Good morning, Denise. It's so so nice to be back. I just so enjoyed our first conversation and I look forward to moving forward here with this one. Oh, I know. I'm just so tickle pink. And, you know, guys, sometimes I wish actually we're on video because you could see the big smile between the two of us Yes, (laughs) as we have been delighted in just thinking about how to bring something relevant to you. So as you heard, Dr. Julia, basically there are a lot of forces that happen from the conception of, you know, we need to get everybody in the room. We need to start thinking strategically, whether it's a one-year plan and we have those meetings with the board, or it's a supervisor who's been told, you know, hey, this is the direction we need to go. And they've got to break it down into tangible pieces for the implementation piece. And then they've got, you know, the planning piece, and then they've got to figure out how to break it into goals so that they can know whether they're on track directionally, right? And all those other things. But one of the things that came up in our last podcast was this idea of to be able to do the strategic thinking well, you really have to change your mindset from the other two parts in planning and implementation. And I really want to dig deep into that because I think that's the place where we tend to sabotage ourselves, not just in the first one, which is thinking, but it follows on planning and then implementation. So talk to me a little bit about, okay, as I'm thinking that I'm going to do this, what do I need to do? Well, I think these are some really, really great questions. And I think one of the things that I'd like to start with is the fact that terminology around strategy is so confusing for all of us. And this is one of the things, this confusion is one of the things that has really stayed with me and has really motivated me in terms of the work that I do is I think we often reach a point in our careers where strategy lands on our desktop and we have such a strong association with the term strategy and positional power. And so we've reached this positional power where people say, you know, you're now the strategy director or you're, you know, responsible for creating a strategy. And we have no idea. I mean, I've been there myself. We have no idea of what it means. We think, you know, we've got our MBAs, we've worked our way through the corporate, or we've worked our way through a government agency. And we think we somehow should know what it is. People have no idea mm-hmm. because it's it's a term that is, you know, strategic thinking, strategic planning, strategic implementation. These are terms that are used interchangeably. Yeah. And the term strategic thinking, which is my area of focus, is really misused overused and underdefined. And I think when we talk about it, it's why I've developed this strategy triangle model to think about strategic thinking and strategic planning use totally different types of thinking. Mm -hmm. And the types of thinking that they use 
are clusters of mm-hmm. cognition. Mm-hmm. And I think when people go through, I, I kind of make a big production out of really going through the strategy triangle model because I find that it brings clarity to people so quickly. And once you have clarity, that confusion disappears. If I may, I want to share some statistics that are pretty sobering that I hope resonate with listeners. Please do. And certainly find myself in these. And I'm I'm guessing listeners may as well. That 97% of executive leaders say strategic thinking is their number one concern. Mm -hmm. The second statistic is 97% of executive leaders say they don't have time for strategic thinking. Mm -hmm. And third, 81% of executives concede they don't know where to even start, Mm. which is why we end up with 91 to 93% of strategic plans never reach implementation. find these to be very sobering. When you look at the amount of time and resources we invest in so-called strategy meetings, Mm -hmm. people are confused. Mm -hmm. So I find helping people to tease apart these three dimensions of strategy Mm -hmm. based on the underlying types of thinking that are needed is just so helpful as a first step. It gives people this common vocabulary and common concepts that they can then begin to have a conversation around strategy. Yeah. So I like to make a big production out of, you know, what does this mean? What does it look like? Mm -hmm. So I find that to be just enormously helpful. Well, let's start with breaking it down. That's a good place because I think the numbers are telling us that people know and recognize that they need to do this, but they also recognize that they don't do it. Yes. Which is very interesting. So what exactly, if you had to boil it down into a sentence or two, is strategic thinking? So strategic thinking is just one of three dimensions of strategy, and it's problem focused. Mm -hmm. Okay, it's focusing on the problem, because how often do we have a strategy implementation plopped on our lap and people say, have you read this? But this isn't even the real problem. Or people will say, but this isn't the right problem. And that's because we've identified a problem and boom, we jump right to solutions. Mm -hmm. And by the time it goes through all of the mechanisms of a strategic plan and reaches implementation and reaches my department or my desk, I look at that and I think, you know, you're right. It's not, it's not addressing the real concern. It's not addressing the right. And then we drag our feet in terms of implementation because we know that we can't overtly rebel. And so we just kind of drag our feet and think, oh, well, maybe it'll change. So there's a lot of confusion uh, around, you know, where do I get involved? And people often feel like they've been excluded And they know their perspective is different because our perspective of the problem is going to be different depending on the function we work in, depending on the level we work at, depending on where we sit within the organization. And it's interesting that you start there at the, that we're so problem focused instead of solution focused. And that's a huge, huge difference between Mm -hmm. strategic thinking and strategic planning. Strategic planning is all about the solution. Mm -hmm. Strategic thinking is all about the problem because we Mm want to make sure that what we're planning as a solution actually matches the real problem. Right, right, right. Because otherwise we end up with no implementation. Yeah. 
Because you go throughout an organization and ask people, you know, what is your strategy? And and people don't know. And this goes right up to the Mm C-suite. During the meeting, they might know, but people just don't know. And Mm -hmm. so much of strategy is actually outsourced that we just really don't bother with it until it reaches implementation stage. And then it's put on my desk and people, again, you know, people will look and they'll say, ah, but this doesn't even address the problem. Right. How the problems that I'm facing. Yeah. So I find the whole idea of strategy tends to be dreaded. Mm-hmm. It just tends to be dreaded and dismal. People want to avoid it like the plague. And I think, you know, avoidance is the worst thing in the world. People need to be engaged in it. They need to have be able to participate in it. But in order to do that, they need to know what it is. And the focus of strategic thinking is really on the problem, just ensuring, do we have the real problem and do we have the right problem? It's what I call poking holes in the water balloon. Yeah. Just testing it, just yeah. testing it before you reach out to a plan or before you reach an implementation stage. So well, it's there, interesting. There are lots of things that you can do, but I think the key thing is to remember that it is problem focused. Mm-hmm. Another another key point of differentiation between strategic thinking and strategic planning is first of all the intent is different. Mm-hmm. One is focused on the problem, the other is focused on solution. The other is what it results in. What's mm. the outcome? And the outcome of a strategic planning, we know, is a strategic plan. It's that thing that we stick up on the shelf. It's the strategic plan. The outcome of strategic thinking is actually a process. Mm. That process has what I call the two Ds of strategic thinking. And if you can just remember this, it creates a guide for anybody and everybody. But the two Ds of strategic thinking are really divergent thinking and deep dive questions. Mm. Those two things, I'm telling you, anything at all that you can do to support divergent thinking is going to help you strengthen your strategic thinking. And divergent is really this idea of going wide and broad and deep, right? And then bringing it back into convergence, which is, okay, now we've got all of these kind of areas, breaking it out in terms of an area, and then pull them together, looking for commonalities, looking for what's the nugget in here that we can, you know, then it goes to the problem. The problem is, is that this is the nugget we can solve. How do we solve it? Am I getting it right? Yeah, it is. It really is exactly what you just described. It's we open it wide and then bring it in, open Mm -hmm. it wide and then bring it in. It's the divergence, convergence, divergence, convergence. When we open it up, what do we need to do that? We need our creativity. We need a great imagination we need to know we're going to be entering some really messy territory because that's what divergent thinking requires. When we converge it and we bring it down to a single correct or right response or answer or solution or direction, that's when we need to say, okay, we've got this little little thing crystallized here. Now we need to take it out and test it again. So we open it up again. And that's really the process. So what we often don't do is that divergent piece. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about that because I think I think when you say it, you know, kind of taking it out wide and broad, if I'm a leader, regardless of my level in my organization, I don't know that, you know, one of the numbers that you said was like 91% said they don't have enough time to do strategic thinking. 
that right there would send chills up my body to say, you know, oh my God, I got to take it out and test it. Okay. So how do I rein this in and not spend a lot of time with people just going off into, you know, 90 different directions? It is so scary for anybody who's listening, who happens to be C-suite, executive level, mid-level, high potential. It is so scary to think that we're going to be inviting people and inviting a process that's divergent because we often associate divergent thinking with losing control. Yeah. Okay. But I think when we understand on the strategy triangle model that we have to engage in strategic thinking, we have to be able to diverge in order to be able to move to ultimately successful implementation. And successful implementation is why we bother with strategy at all. Mm-hmm. So there, there is a messy process. And I find that messy process of strategic thinking, it spooks people. And I think you just have to know it. It's it's scary. And the reason it's scary is because largely it's unfamiliar. Oh, I get the unfamiliar. But I think particularly at the C-suite or VP level, that we have a culture, at least in the U.S., you can tell me if it's around the world or not, but particularly in the U.S., that says that once you get to that level, you're supposed to have all the answers. Yes, And this idea of, I mean, I remember being, you know, so sometimes an organization will bring me in and, you know, I'll do, we'll do live coaching. And the CEO said, yeah, I'll do it. I'll step up and do it. And so part of the live coaching is really this divergent, convergent kind of process that happens in it. Well, the feedback we got from his people were, how could you embarrass him in front of the rest of us? He why would you want to tear him down? And it really wasn't tearing him down. And he absolutely loved it because it forced him to think about things in a way that he hadn't. And in your process, my process, in any of this kind of strategic thinking, you have to look for that aha moment. So I think there are not just my own personal fears of I'm supposed to look good, but I think there's some cultural things oh, about I- you know being on the pedestal that stop people, whether you're a supervisor or the CEO, but particularly the higher you go in the organization, the more culturally we have these issues. Oh, I, I do too. And I think that becomes a real impediment to strategic thinking because I find we are very unpracticed. Mm-hmm in terms of dealing with messy processes. Because we tend to be unpracticed, we don't tend to have a lot of role models. We don't tend to have a lot of experience where we think, oh, you know, I can remember this was a very messy process that led to a really tight, cohesive outcome. We, We often lack those experiences. And I think part of this comes from we try to create airtight cultures and Mm -hmm. culture is living, breathing, moving and should be moving. And so I think people do need to realize that strategic thinking is messy territory. Yeah. And I think when executives and C-suite leaders realize that they're going to be taking people through a messy process, it's like it's okay. It's okay. You relinquish some of that control for the sake of the business, for a really good outcome that comes from opening it up and really encouraging people to participate in that messy process who would ordinarily be excluded and may never come close to touching any part of the strategy triangle. 
So let me ask you this, because, you know, you've said it a couple of times, both in this one and the previous podcast, that it's really about opening it up, right? So there's two kinds of pictures that pop into my head. One is, I think, you know, we talked a little bit about this control thing that we have, but the quote unquote naysayer in the room, the kind of needle in the side or the person who always sees things different. How do you know the difference between someone when you're thinking about who to bring in the room? So I'm, I'm really focused on who to bring into the room at any one of the points of divergence in particular. How do you pick the person whose needle in your side because they they see it from a very different perspective versus somebody who, you know, maybe from is bringing in baggage and trying to just, you know, embarrass you or take you down or that kind of thing. How do you know kind of how to pick on your internal team who those people are? You'll make mistakes. You know, I think as a senior leader, when you're selecting people to be part of these strategic thinking sessions, you're going to make mistakes. But I think when you are very clear about your intent and your purpose, and when Mm -hmm. others are very clear about the intent and the purpose, that the intent and the purpose of strategic thinking is really the two Ds, to diverge the issue and to deep dive, you need to be selective. Because the purpose is to ask really good questions to help the leader to rethink. So you don't want people who are going to be coming in with their own agenda or people who have a payback agenda of saying, here's, you know, you have turned down or you snubbed me three times. Here is my big opportunity to do that to you publicly. There's really no place for that at all in strategic thinking. So I think, you know, start small. I always say, look for groups of people who are six to eight to 10 people that you can really trust that are going to understand the same purpose. They're going to have the same shared strategy vocabulary, the same shared Mm -hmm. strategy concepts, Mm -hmm. and they're going to be doing this for the purpose of the organization. So there is a limit of the values, but shouldn't you also have different voices in the room? You know, we've talked, you know, we've talked about bringing not just like all of finance in, but maybe finance should bring in marketing. They should bring in operations. They should bring in IT. You know, people who don't necessarily wouldn't share that problem or see it from the same point and even maybe not even own the problem per se. Absolutely. I always say, you know, that perspective, the outsider's perspective is so valuable Mm -hmm. in strategic thinking. When you form these groups, and you should be doing multiple ones, multiple groups, but when you form these, get a mix. I always say mix up the faces, mix up the places, mix up the spaces. Mix it up, mix it up, mix it up. Get at least three to four levels within an organization. You just never know how people think. Mm-hmm. until you get them in these small groups. And certainly if you come from finance and you're working on a finance strategy, don't have just finance people because you're going to have same frame thinking, which is yeah. very, very limiting. You know, mix up those faces, get people who bring in some customers, bring in some happy customers, bring in some unhappy customers, bring in old customers, bring in new customers, bring in, you know, if you're nervous and anxious, there tends to be a lot of anxiety around this issue. Start with your family, start with neighbors, start with friends, people who have absolutely no vested interest are safe to kind of get the process going. 
If I like internationally, I like to work with integrating, you know, public sector and private sector. There's a lot of partnership interests. So getting that mix, it's just invaluable. We're not trying to solve the problem yet. All we're doing is trying to test for the real problem and the right problem. Mm -hmm. So as much as you can mix up the places, mix up the spaces and mix up the faces, all the better. And when you say that, particularly bringing in, like if you're trying to design public policy, right? And you're bringing in kind of corporate people, you're bringing in citizens, et cetera. It's interesting. I guess in my mind, it's what is the problem? And then what is that person's interest Mm -hmm. in terms of being able to do it? So from public policy, it might be how do we get to implement and bring more green spaces into our city? And how do we balance that with planning and zoning? But for a citizen, it might be transportation and livable you know, places where there's affordable living and those kinds of things. And so if from an interesting, being able to understand what the perspective is that you're inviting into the room and when do you invite that perspective in seems to be part of what you're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. Because our live experiences, you know, our lived experiences and our live experiences are really going to inform our perspective. And I think another thing that's interesting is we may select people based on what we perceive their perspective to be. Mm -hmm. But once they get in the room and they start listening to these other great deep dive questions and the issue begins to diverge, they choose to share another perspective. Yeah. And it is so exciting when that happens, because that's when you really do diverge issues. And for the person who owns that strategy, keep these, write these down, keep these things. Again, we're not going to solutions, but keep these things because they're so great for stimulating your own thinking. Yeah. And I would imagine that they're also relevant in terms of when you're doing implementation you have to understand the perspectives and interests of the parties that you need to bring to the table. So it's not like that information is lost, but I think a lot of times in this collapsing of thinking and probably implementation, we separate those interests that might come out of thinking and implementation never really sees it. And I think we're weak at including them in, in the planning stage, because to me, the interests probably as we're talking about it, I can see where those interests really uh, define what are the obstacles and opportunities. Yeah, I just think there is so much value and so much usage that you get from mixing it up, mixing it up, mixing it up, mixing it up. It really influences when people are invited into a strategy session and they start sharing their perspectives and their takes and they start hearing other people they take these things away and it influences subsequent policy. It influences implementation of policy simply because people were included. Yeah. As a leader, you have to be crystal clear with people and repeat it again and again and again, that the purpose of the session is not to solve the problem. The purpose of the session is to actually deep dive and diverge the issue so that Mm -hmm. we're crystal clear on what really is the problem? What's the Mm -hmm. real problem and what's the right problem? So that you set the expectations that we're not going to be voting on the best solution, or we're not going to be selecting the best solution because we're not in planning or in the thinking piece. I love what you just did because what you did was 
you actually explain what the role, you know, how to model and act in the meeting. Because I think, you know, because it's so messy, the strategic thinking part can be so messy. And I'm not sure all of it, actually, you know, at some point or another, it's whoever is the CEO or the owner of the planning or the session itself has to stay in a position of the purpose of this is divergent and deep dive thinking. Yeah. And yeah. they can't let it kind of start getting into the camp of, well, here's the problem. Here's the solution. Here's the problem. Here's the solution. And this is the tendency. This is, I mean, we're trained to look for that. How many hundreds of thousands of times have you been told, don't come see me with a problem unless it's already matched with the solution? So we learn this rapid response very quickly of problem, solution, problem, solution, problem, solution. But we tend not to push that pause button and step back to say, but do we really even have the real problem? Yeah. Because we just rush to solutions. And so this is one of the, actually what you pinpointed is one of what I find to be the most difficult and challenging issues of running learning labs is people just habitually move towards solutions. Yeah. So you have to keep moving them back to, we're focused on the problem here. Mm-hmm. Or defining what the problem or problems yeah. that we have that are that are part of, you know, it's almost like, you know, when you're envisioning a new state, there's so many tentacles and so many kind of ways in which you could go after something. And the hardest part is staying narrow and yeah. defining what the problem is. What is it exactly that we're going after? And then holding to that as you move, because the world keeps changing and the world, you know, and the problem be kind of slippery, particularly if you define the problem too broadly. And this, I think, is one of the things like we talked in the earlier session about the need to really ground people and lay a really solid foundation in terms of what is strategic thinking? Mm -hmm. What is strategic thinking? And I think this is one of the most challenging pieces is getting people to realize that the ground is moving. I mean, the ground is shaking. And strategy is complex. Real strategic problems are complex. They tend to live at the intersection of environmental issues, social issues, political issues, economic issues, humanitarian issues. These are moving parts. They're constantly moving parts. That's messy. Mm-hmm. And I think moving into strategic planning too early can create an illusion of certainty that's just simply not there. And that tends to lead to poor implementation or no implementation. What's really- interesting in what you just, I want you to kind of pause again. I want you to lose that thought. These problems are environmental. What were they again? humanitarian Uh, economic and they're social and they're financial they're you know political Mm -hmm. and the reason i wanted you to pause is i don't know that many strategic plannings and corporations actually consider those those parts you know i know in hr when i did hr strategy i had to think about you know the demographics and the supply chain of you know where we're going to get people what are the schools doing you know, those kinds of things. But I don't know that that it's natural to include or natural thinking, I should say, habitual thinking of those other areas that you talked about. 
I think all of these other issues, you know, strategy tends to play at that intersection Mm -hmm. and it's a really messy intersection. And I think it's one of the values of bringing very diverse perspectives together to really focus on the problem, because those aspects and those dimensions of strategy are going to come to light in a critical dialogue. Those Mm -hmm. are going to come to light and they do without fail. Mm -hmm. When you bring together a group of mixed levels of people, mixed functions of people, people who have very, very different experiences, who sit in very different places in the organization, these issues are going to come to light. And I think one of the takeaways is that people realize just how complex strategy is and how we can deceive ourselves as leaders when we try to oversimplify complexity mm-hmm. or the sake of coming up with a very quick solution mm-hmm. and a very quick implementation. Mm-hmm. They burn out real quickly. Yeah. So I think a huge part of the outcome of what I work with is a realization that strategy itself is complex. The nature of these problems is complex. There are no known solutions. There may be multiple possibilities and there's no single right answer. That's hard for leaders to accept. Mm -hmm. I think you're right. And I want to leave with the audience that if you're a supervisor, I mean, at any point in an organization, whether you're, you know, the C-suite, well, obviously it's far more complex in terms of the problem, but I think you can use these tools or these tips that we've given you in a way that, you know, if you're just trying to figure out how you're going to make the numbers for the next year, six months, whatever that time frame is, you can actually use these tools of divergent thinking and deep dive questioning in smaller places, bringing in other people so that they understand. Because I think the value inside the organization or one of the values that you can get out of this is sometimes every organization is collaborative. We all have to work together towards one thing. And by just simply sharing perspectives early on, people begin to have a sensitivity and maybe even have solutions as you've talked about to help you solve your problem. And so this idea of kind of networking in and out of your organization at any level on these ideas is probably a good tool to have in your toolbox. It's huge. It's just huge. You know, I think one of the things that I hear over and over and over after we've done learning labs and people have really rolled up their shirt sleeves, rolled up their pants and really gotten into the messiness of it is they come back later and they'll say, I can't believe how wonderful this has been in terms of building trust. Mm-hmm. And it's it's kind of a residual thing that happens as a consequence of taking the risk and having the courage to dive into this messy space to say, we're not coming up with a solution. We're just deep diving and we're diverging the issue. So I think setting people's, especially setting leaders' expectations about what the outcome is going to be is just huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, thank you so much. You know what? We're at the end again. One of the things I want to share is a myth about strategy that is so pervasive at all levels and in every country. It's just such a pervasive myth. And that is the myth that strategy is the domain of a chosen few. It's It's just not. 
anybody and really anybody and everybody has a role and has a reason to participate in this strategic thinking piece. I wonder what would happen if we brought that into schools, you know, eighth, ninth, 10th, 12th grade, and we actually started teaching children how to do this. Oh, it would just, it would help us all when people get to whatever their career choice is, Mm -hmm. because we need to learn, you know, as I mentioned in the previous session, critical inquiry, which is asking really, really tough questions and good questions, not because I want an answer, but for the sake of the business. Mm -hmm. So that critical inquiry, critical dialogue, how do we talk to each other when we have such different experiences, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. such different perceptions? Mm -hmm. How do we talk about that? How do we listen to that? And teaching people that it is okay to just have a messy space and a messy mm-hmm. place and somewhere mm-hmm. to park that stuff. Mm-hmm. So strategic thinking is very learnable. It's messy. It tends to happen informally. It often occurs in sort of an invisible way, but it's very learnable. It's not the domain of the chosen few. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that last tip. All right, guys, you heard it here first. This is Denise Cooper with Dr. Julia Sloan. And we've been talking about strategic thinking, strategic uh-huh planning, and strategic implementation. And I hope that you've gotten out of this and you're able to take away a few nuggets that are going to help you close the gap. And you know what I'm going to say? If you liked it, share it. If you didn't like it, share it, because I guarantee it will be a conversation that will change your thinking and help you strategically achieve the goals that you want and close the gap. Dr. Julia, we thank you so much for your time and all of your wisdom. I love it. How can people get a hold of you? Sure. You can go to LinkedIn is probably the easiest way. Just look up Julia Sloan, S-L-O-A-N on LinkedIn or visit learnstrategicthinking.com. It's probably the easiest way. All right, then. Much, Denise, for having me. This has been just delightful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And guys, talk to you next week. Bye. That's a wrap. And I'm Denise Cooper, and you've been listening to Closing the Gap with Denise Cooper. Let me thank my good friend, Ivan G. Hall, for the background music. I'd like to ask you to do three things. One, if you liked it, share it with your friends. Let's build up our community. Two, subscribe so that you don't miss when a new episode drops. And lastly, if you've got a question or a comment, leave it below. I'd love to hear what you thought was good, what I could do better, and what topics you'd like to hear about. Let me thank my guests one more last time. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next week. Bye.